Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Lilith Van Beesen. Lilith is a Salesforce certified technical architect, and through the episode, we heard more about her background, what she originally wanted to do with her career, and then how she found her way into the Salesforce ecosystem. We talk about her early roles, including being a developer, and then how she progressed from developer to tech lead and then architect. We look at the CTA journey and whether or not that was something she had established she wanted to do very early on in her career. And then we look at how that journey unfolded for her. So what the hardest part of the journey in preparing for the review board was and how the review board played out. We look at the value that she got from being part of a community and different study groups that you may have seen online. And if you haven't, I recommend checking out Lilith's LinkedIn profile because she has promoted some of the content and the groups there. We look at what happens after the review board. And in Lilith's case, she had a coach, a mentor, someone that was helping her prepare for the review board. So we discussed whether or not she could divulge much information to that person after she came out of the review board and get some feedback from them as to how they felt she had got on. But she shares some insight around what actually happens and what you can and cannot share. We look at the the partial pass, what happens in this situation, and then how you prepare for going back in to pass the partial element or section that you have to retake. And then we discuss what companies can do to attract and appeal to CTAs. Uh, Lilith has recently moved roles. So it was interesting to hear what she was looking for from an employer when she did decide to move. And then we discuss staying motivated and looking at further goals after achieving such a huge milestone. So it it was really, really great to have Lilith on the podcast. She's someone that I've followed for a long time and uh, yeah, just a, a really great energy, great person and a great architect. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Lilith, thank you so much for joining me. It really is a pleasure to have you on the show. I've heard a lot about you over the months and years um, from some of the people we have had on the show. So great to have you here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. One of the people that I think you may have uh, heard of uh, that I know we are both big fans is Johan. We actually always joke that it's the pinnacle of becoming, you know, the, the highest thing that you can get in the Salesforce ecosystem is being on your show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so check, you know, my year started perfectly. Thank you again. And really looking forward to hearing more about your journey and your, your story. And I think a lot of people will have seen some of the content you're putting out um, at the moment around your CTA journey. So we'll dig a, a little bit deeper around that as well. But Firstly, I'd like to start way back and and explore kind of how you've got to this point today and look at kind of what you wanted to do when you were growing up, what you kind of explored when you were studying and what you thought your career might be. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I will try to keep it short because that's been quite a history, to be honest, because I never expected to go into IT. As a teenager, it just seemed completely foreign. I didn't really know what this was. So when you go and you exit high school, you have to kind of choose all of a sudden, what do you want to do for the rest of your life, which was daunting <laughs> to say the least. And 
to be honest, you don't necessarily make most well-founded, let's say, decisions. So for me, I did choose something that I liked. I chose languages, which then later I found that, okay, just linguistics part and the psycholinguistics is really what I, I think is super interesting. But when I chose that, it was mostly like, which one doesn't have math? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, but in the end, I'm very happy that I did. When I really started working in this field and being a researcher, I really felt like, okay, I can create literary studies and stuff like that, but there's really not a big market for this. I found it quite challenging to actually find something that I could do that was related to what I love to do. So I wanted to be able to create something. And that's why I started to actually uh, have a professional bachelor's in uh, multimedia and communications technology, which is a combination of graphic design and programming. And that's where I sort of learned, okay, IT can be very fun. It's something that I actually do like to do. And where I also learned how to code. And then where I took my first steps into Salesforce as a student job, actually. (laughs) Okay, because I saw looking at LinkedIn, I know you did some marketing work as well. Was that as you were studying? Yeah, exactly. So that was indeed when I was studying. It was one of the avenues that I was exploring. In the end, um, while it was definitely very fascinating, the moment I saw Salesforce, uh, and in particular Trailhead, it just clicked like, okay, this is awesome. This is what I want to really get into and do for the rest of my life. That's fine. If I do just this, I'm happy. (laughs) So did you, um, uh, how long ago were we talking when you first kind of found Salesforce? Uh, 2017. Okay, wow. So not not that long ago, really. No, um, no, no. And when you started exploring careers in the Salesforce ecosystem, did you did you see yourself as a developer? I didn't quite know how to see myself because in the, the study that I did, it was quite broad. So you had like those really, really smart guys who could do such good programming and really write such efficient code. And I know that my code was never bad. It was definitely good enough to get good grades, but it's not something that I I could see and think about in the same way that some of these other excellent developers did. However, I did want to explore it a bit more. So that was the first thing that I actually did on a project was developing in the background. And I was just so happy that I had Trailhead there because, of course, I didn't know Apex super well. I didn't know the tools super well. So you really rely on the documentation, on your team, and you start small. For me, I loved writing test classes. I know everyone hates this. This is the last thing anyone wants to do. So I think people were happy that, oh yeah, just let Lily do it. She likes that. I bet a lot of developers were handing that off to you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's like, uh, to be honest, now in the same position, I would do the same. Like, oh, you you love that? Oh yeah, go ahead. (laughs) For me, it was really cool because I could see how others were actually looking at code and how they were using it. And then later it kind of grew into doing audits, debugging and seeing, okay, I have to read through this code and understand what's happening so I can find a root cause. I still get very excited when I have to do a technical audit, even though I know that's, again, not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm nerdy that way, I guess. So you you um, were a developer in the early days, and then you progressed to tech lead and then architect. Were you always um, quite career motivated? Like, did you did you really strive for those steps quickly? Um, I think a lot of it happened quite organically because of how I uh, approached Salesforce as well as my customers. So for the second project that I was on, I was already more in a kind of consulting world not necessarily writing so much code, doing a lot more point and click, and also being involved in workshops, which 
I found very, very fascinating. That's where I really discovered, okay, I love to know the technical background, but I also want to know the business part of it. What is really relevant for business? Because not everything that I know Salesforce can do is applicable. So that kind of balancing act between the two is what really gave me a lot of drive and it gears you kind of towards that architect or analyst route, especially if um, you combine it with kind of, um, I joke with my teams that I'm a drama queen, <laughs> not necessarily because I act out, but just because if I see a risk, I'm the one who will always be like, okay, we have to address this. We have to do this now. Even though it's not an issue yet, I try to make a big fuss now so we don't have a big issue later. And I think that kind of attitude is how you can grow into that more responsibility, more ownership roles. And did you always have that confidence to speak up? Because obviously you're coming, initially you're coming into it from, from you know, being a, a graduate, then a, a relatively junior developer. Like, did that come with time, that that um, willingness and um, and being comfortable to say that there's a problem here, we need to address it? Or were you kind of instantly um, comfortable doing that? Oh, no, I was not instantly comfortable doing that for sure. No, no, no. No, I think it grows with also, I quite early jumped on all these certifications, which gives you a kind of, feedback, okay, I might not, you know, know everything about this, but at least I know enough to be able to state that I, I know what could be an issue here. And also in that regard, especially when I started doing those um, certifications on the architect track, that's where you really see the issues that will come to bite you later on, such as these large data volumes that you have to keep in mind very early on. And I think that combined with the fact that I was working with relatively small teams at the time, gave me a lot of confidence to say, okay, it's good to bring this up. I can bring this up. And getting them the feedback that people are actually happy that you do, that emboldens you, of course. Yeah, definitely. So you're, you got on the certification journey. Was that because you had identified CTA as a goal or was it because you, you just wanted to learn as much as you could at that stage of your career? Yeah, I'm very susceptible to gamification. So anything that can, you know, I can earn something or badges or I see my points growing, that is, yeah, I love that. So for me, that was how I approached it at first. Just like, okay, yeah, let me get another one. I'm really, <laughs> I got kind of a bit by a certification bug, so to speak. So that's definitely how I kind of grew into um, that track. I only heard about the CTA, well, only. <laughs> I heard about the CTA only a year after I got started because some friends of mine went to, I think it was likely the first TDX. And they were so, so enthusiastic. They came back with so much energy and yeah, you can do this and that. And I was like, okay, let me look into that CTA thing. It looks really cool. <laughs> and how confident were you at that stage that one day you would be a CTA? Well, ridiculously confident at that point because I had you know, done uh, quite a few certifications already. And they had all gone quite well. I, I'm still batting at a first, you know, first pass strike at this point. I haven't really had a real fail except for the partial retake, of course, for the yeah. CTA. So that really gives you the confidence that, okay, so if I get all these certifications, then there's just a small part of the pyramid left. How hard can that be? Which, of course, looking back is ridiculously <laughs> huge misconception, but I see it actually occurring with a lot of people. So I don't feel too much shame. I think a lot of people look at this with the same mindset, but it's it's really quite difficult uh, once you get at that level, let's say, once you get all the prereqs. 
I think Salesforce now do a, a good job of making that clear, like that actually, you know, that's just the start of that journey. Like it's, um, yeah. you know, I think that there's been a kind of shift in, in in how that is communicated. And I think people now kind of accept that. Whereas like I saw some people coming into the market, like brand new announcing they were going to be a CTA in like next to no time. And I think it was just a perception that it was just another certification. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I think for sure that's that's kind of how I looked at it. Even though I must say that there was already a lot of of elements out there in the community that pointed to you know a different perspective. But I was so used to just studying on my own that I, I wasn't really that involved in the community at that point. I just you know it was me, my computer, the uh, the implementation guide, and that was more or less it. So I wasn't really open to that kind of message or reality check at that point. I think it only occurred when I actually got to prereqs and I started talking to very smart people like uh, Sergey Ehrlich or uh, Ariane Kramer. Those people really kind of helped me like, hey, Lid, you're not going to be able to do this alone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what was the hardest part of the journey for you personally? And, and how did you kind of tackle that particular part? That is a difficult thing to narrow down, to be honest, because it's a very challenging journey overall. But I think for me, the trickiest part was actually confidence. For one, because, well, I was still quite new and I still am relatively new. If you look, you know, uh, at how many great, great people with so many years of experience out there are out there, I'm really new compared to them. And that became very obvious when I started to interact with the community, working in these study groups and seeing just how much knowledge was in these other people. It was very intimidating because... I felt like, okay, how am I ever going to, you know, get up to that level? And for the CTA, you have to put yourself out there. You have to present your solution, which means you put yourself in kind of a vulnerable position to be scrutinized, which is exactly what you want them to do. But it's a very, very scary position to be in. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. How do you deal with that, I guess? Because putting yourself in the community and and I see like, um, you know, the Johan and, and yourself and and the recordings and everything like that. And th that must play on your mind, like, oh, other people are going to see this. And and if you're not 100% confident at that time that you know everything, like it must be quite daunting. Oh, yes, it was. And I guess it's something that, you know, it gets easier every time. And every milestone there helps kind of like break down that insecurity because I know the first few times that I was recorded and then something was published, I rewatched it and I was, of course, like horrified. <laughs> and oh no, I say so many ums and I sound like, you know, ridiculous because, of course, it's my own voice. It's weird to listen to yourself yeah. in the first place, let alone, you know, sharing some knowledge that you think, okay, yeah, gosh, I hope people understand that this is just my perspective, that of, of course, I don't have uh, all the knowledge. This is just me with my limited experience talking. So definitely that was. It was very scary, but again, if you get some good feedback and you see that's the thing with the ecosystem, people are just really happy to collaborate, to share, to work together. And that builds kind of like that confidence, like, okay, even if like 70% of the people are maybe not that interested or maybe it's not something for them, that's fine. If I can help that other 30%, that's absolutely enough. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of how I learned to overcome this This confidence issue is because first of all I learned that I do have some strengths and some things that people can learn from which was the first step let's say if it's just like a small thing of value that I can add 
that's fine because that's the same thing for me. Not everything that gave me confidence and inspiration to go for it was a big statement or a big element out there. It just small things help contribute to this vibe in the community. And that's all it, it takes for other people to get inspired. Absolutely. So what about um, having a coach and, and having, I guess, like peers that are on the journey with you and, and having that support network? Now, I, I know like the value of a network and, and being involved in that things, but actually, I guess when you go one step deeper and you have that that coach and you have like peers that are keeping each other honest as well, right? So I can imagine like the, the amount of dedication that Johan put into his journey you can't drop the ball and kind of not be dedicated, right? Because he would be like, come on, like, let's pick this up. So how important was that, like having some cheerleaders and coaches and and support along the way as well? Well, I think because as you mentioned, it's really like a group effort. Everyone really is cheering each other on and everyone just really wants to collaborate and share their knowledge, get experiences from others. And that kind of, not only for the, the mock uh, review boards where people are judging each other, but also I took that mindset into the actual review boards to these judges were in my position at one point and they are not in there to make it difficult for me. They are in there because they want me to do well. If they ask questions, it's not to be difficult. It's because maybe I didn't explain something well enough or maybe I overlooked a particular part in my solution. And once you start looking at it in that way and you start really welcoming that feedback, that's kind of where the mindset changes and that's where you see, okay, I can put myself out there, even if I fall flat on my face, it's fine because then it's going to be a learning experience, not just for me, but for others too, because sometimes you learn more by seeing someone fail and learning how they pick themselves back up than from something going smoothly. (laughs) Absolutely. This episode of Talent Hub Talk is sponsored by our friends from Flow Republic. Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. So you go in for the review board and you walk out. And was it um, was it a virtual one or? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you you uh, hang up Zoom um, and how are you feeling at that point? Like, did you feel like you'd passed the first time, the first the the main review board, and? Um, you had a coach, right? So Seb, um, Flow Republic, I yeah. think was, uh, so what can you discuss with him afterwards? Like, can you pick up the phone and say, right, this was the scenario. This is what <laughs> I did. Here's, here's like everything that I kind of put forward. And then he will say, great, I think you passed or like, is that the kind of conversation you can have? No. So it's very strict. And I, I, of course, this makes total sense because if you're going to start sharing what is in the scenario, then you're kind of devaluating the experience because one of the biggest parts there is that you only have a limited amount of time to get whatever they throw at you, solve it, and then, you know, present it and defend it. So if you then start sharing that, it would be, of course, not really, uh, it would be actually detrimental, let's say, to the, the value of the certification, which we don't want. So you cannot really share that much. You can mostly share kind of like high level or circumstantial things. So for yeah. me, for example, uh, how did I do on time? Well, I 
I felt quite okay because I managed to stick within the time limits for each of the parts. So that's good. So that's already a good indication. Then other things you can ask is, did you understand the business process? For example, because sometimes you get a scenario that might just be so unfamiliar to you. I know I've done quite a few in the community where I was just like, okay, I really don't understand how they make money. (laughs) (laughs) How how am I going to solve this? So that is something very important to yeah, kind of make or break you. So if you know, okay, I think I got a good idea of how they make money, how they collaborate, how that works. Did you have to change your solution? Of course, you cannot really say what or how or what, but just overall, did you feel like it was quite solid? And if you had to change something, were you able to mitigate the impact? Because that I don't know if you uh, heard Seb's domino effect, but that's the domino effect. If you change something in your solution, you have to make sure that you have really tackled all the other dominoes that fall down. If you change, let's say, data model, okay, what about sharing and all those things? They're so intertwined. So doing that in your Q&A is very stressful. And then finally, maybe did you pass some questions? And if you did, do you feel like they were crucial or were they like just an afterthought? Maybe something like that you can say, but more detail than that, you really can't because then you're giving it away. It boils down to how did you feel? How did you feel? Well, I felt really, really happy. But to be honest, it's funny. When I get very nervous, I get very chatty and I get kind of very energetic. So I was already kind of on a high just doing everything because I was really nervous and time was flying by. So I think I went into my presentation like a ball of energy, just targeting at the judges, just happy to be sharing what I had. Uh, Same thing for the Q&A. So I think the vibe was really nice. And it made me also feel very confident that, okay, I didn't fall on my face. I think the solution held its own. There were definitely some things that, yeah, I could have done better. And there, I, they were asking about a certain area that I don't quite know why they were asking so many questions on. Of course, later on, then you see, okay, so maybe that was because I have a retake now on that part. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't quite answer those correctly. But I felt for both boards, I felt quite confident, not that I necessarily passed, but that I at least did well. And if I didn't do well, then exactly this was what I needed because you get an email with all the feedback on what you did or didn't do well. And at that point, that was what I would have needed if I would have failed anyway, because I was so confident that I was on the right track. I just would have needed to completely shift my way of preparing anyway in that case. Because up until this point, you said like you'd never not passed a certification first time. Did it knock you at all? Or did you think, right, great, that I've got the feedback. Now I know what I need to do. Oh, yeah. It did knock me a bit, which is ridiculous because I know that actually a partial pass is a very good result. So I know it's it's something that you should just be happy about. But I think... I made a mistake of of maybe talking first to someone who wasn't in Salesforce ecosystem who didn't really know. And they had also experienced me as someone who didn't usually get fails on exams. So they were like, oh yeah, so bad for you. Don't worry about it. You'll do better next time, which wasn't really the reaction that I should have gotten. But then I talked to someone, yeah, Nadina Lisbon, actually, who's a very close friend. She's really awesome. And she was like, let it just, you know, it's okay to feel like, oh, darn, I have to go for it again. That's fine. But know and realize that this is really good. And, you know, take that, go celebrate. Of course, she knew that I had a bottle of sangria in my fridge. So she was like, just, you know, <laughs> just go there, celebrate and, you know, then pick yourself up and get ready to go again. 
And then with that retake, uh, the re, the you do the section. So for anyone that hasn't been through that or maybe hasn't explored that, is that so they they just focus on that one area? Which what was the area for yourself? Yeah, for me it was integration. The concept is so you have seven domains in the review board, right? So if you uh, fail one or two, then you can do a section retake on only those. And the format is a bit different whether you have one or two with regard to timing. And uh, when you have one section, of course, you can get a more focused scenario. So, But the timing is so short that that, to be honest, really scared me. And I'm still, uh, I've talked to quite a few people, of course, now who have done retakes because you want to know, okay, so how did you tackle it? How did you prepare? And I'm still in awe of anyone who goes for a two-section retake because I think it's really scary because you get kind of a full scenario and you have to deduce yourself, what should I include? What should I not include? So it's really, really challenging. And it's it's tricky to kind of prepare for that. You kind of hope that, okay, I've been to the board once, so I, I know what I can expect. Because you haven't done this other format, there's still a lot of, of confusion about, okay, how should I go about it? Even though I can't help Suzanne and her team enough, they really answered the many, many, many questions I had. Still, there's this nagging and, you know, uncertainty that you have about how do I go about this? Sure. So you actually have the option, like if, you, if there's two parts um, that you need to retake, you have the option of doing a full review board again or the two parts, is that right? Yeah, so I'm not too familiar with the two section, but the way that I understand it is you don't necessarily have to go for the section retake. You can okay. also go for the full board again. But if you have one section like yourself with integration, then you just focus on that, but you they go a lot deeper. Is that right? They, they really drill down further than they would on integration in, in the full review board. Yeah, because that's really where they're focusing. But I think there, what I always try to highlight is these domains are very much intertwined as well. They always sure. border on each other. So I always advise people who have a retake, not just to look at that domain, but also think about what is in the peripheral, what is there that's actually maybe technically part of another domain that you also need to know. For example, for integration, you cannot do this without also tackling data. You cannot do this without also having your system overview ready and knowing how to secure all of this. So there's a lot in the peripheral when it comes to integration that you have to be prepared for. And how did you prepare? Like, same again, study groups, um, mocks, like j just going deeper and deeper on integration? Yeah, I think there, one of the things that I would really take as my kind of guide throughout, okay, where do I need to look? Because every it's always difficult to narrow down what knowledge should I have. So Flow Republic has this gap analysis, which is really, really extensive, and they subdivide it into different domains. And that's where I really got a lot of my input from, okay, I did not check those parts, so I have to check those again. So it really became, for me, the guide. These are the ones that I have to focus on and really know. And then from that, you kind of like expand a bit into the peripheral, as I mentioned. It's really, again, research and practice, 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 and finding how it works. I started experimenting with some artifacts. They didn't work well, so I, <laughs> I didn't use them in the end. But it's you know, it's just trial and error, just trying to see what works for you. And did you have another bottle of sangria in the fridge? <laughs> oh, yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> and you enjoyed that one a little bit more? Yes, yeah, definitely. Because I felt like there, um, for the, the second retake, I already had been through this process a bit more. So I got out and I was even more confident also because when you have a one-section retake, if it's you, I think you can do two. 
So if you fail the first one section retake, you can still try again. I don't yeah. think that's the same thing with, with two section retakes. If all goes terribly, terribly wrong, then at least, you know, well, I don't only have my sangria, but I also might have like a second attempt at this. So that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah, and feedback no. again. Yeah, actually, yeah, of course, the feedback is is very helpful. And um, you, obviously, now you've passed, you're a CTA, a, an amazing achievement. But then the next thing you have gone on to do is, is actually change jobs recently. And there are probably uh, many, many companies out there that would love to attract a, a CTA um, to their business. So I guess when you were looking what, as a CTA, what, what can companies do to kind of appeal to, to people like yourself? Yeah, I think there's there's two parts. So there's, there's definitely my own perspective on, on how I look at a company. And for me, one of the things that I really, really looked for was um, sustainability and not only thinking about it from the ecological point of view, which of course I think is very important as well, but also from the social point of view. And there I really wanted to go for a company that understood why this is important and it really takes very conscious effort to go for this. So that's for me, it played a big part. And I think also there knowing how this learning process works, especially in Salesforce, where you have three releases per year, where you have many new products popping up all of a sudden. So you have to just make sure that you have a company that understands that people need to have time to learn and grow because there's just no other way to work with Salesforce, in my opinion. So I really very consciously look for a company that would do that for their people and where I could also be part of that and you know take uh, ownership of initiatives, create an impact and really make sure that mentality with regard to, okay, we're in this together for the long run really was something that they would put their money where their mouth was, let's say, when it comes to the environment, when it comes to the overall community within or outside of Salesforce and with their employees and their customers. And that's how I ended up at Capgemini, to be honest, because that's what I felt that they really represent, to be honest. It can be quite difficult to get that level of detail though, right? Without, um, like through a recruitment process, you know, initially sometimes people just want to have a chat with you and they want to get to the bottom of your technical skills without like really telling you about what they stand for as a business and their values and how they operate and, you know, really selling the opportunity. And I think maybe it's a bit different for CTAs because I think, you know, when you go into a discussion, you probably skip a few rounds and you end up in uh, like speaking to the senior leadership yeah. team about those kind of things. I mean, it is really important that companies think about that um, broader than just trying to att attract CTAs, but how they're, they're demonstrating their values to the broader market. Because, you know, a lot of people, that's what they're looking for. And they're looking to see and hear that before they even engage in a recruitment process. Um, did you find it hard to get to the bottom of those kind of things with other companies, like when you were exploring different roles? Well, it's, I think it's always a bit, you can always try, but it's not always easy to know, okay, so is this going to be actually how it is? So what I tried to do there is I looked at the people that I already knew in the ecosystem. So for example, I already knew some people at Capgemini, such as Chetan and, and Kid, for example. So that really helped in kind of understanding, okay, so they already know the inner working. So I can talk to them. I can see how it works. Um, I can also, you know, go a bit broader and see what are they currently doing. I see that, for example, Capgemini is partnering with Refugee Force, which I see is already making a very concrete effort to actually help the broader community. So those things, they're not always that easy to spot and you have to always be careful about what is the commercial marketing side of it and what is actual. So that's not always easy to, to identify for sure. I think it's always going to be tricky 
I just followed my gut. <laughs> I talked to great people. I could feel their drive. Um, I could feel that we were really on the same page. And that was, in the end, the deciding factor for me. And what about now, um, the level you're operating at? What kind of what has changed from when you were a, a technical architect to now being a certified technical architect and I guess going into a bigger team and, and practice? Like, are you now working on projects in and outside of Belgium and, and like bigger, chunkier kind of enterprise uh, projects? Well, I think that's indeed the, the opportunities. And one of the things you were asking is how to attract CTAs. Well, that is exactly how to attract CTAs, in my opinion, is because you've been through this path. Now you want to have the opportunity to really apply those skills and the knowledge that you acquired. And the easiest way or the most appropriate way, let's say, to do that is by going on those more complex projects. So that is what I'm currently doing and not always uh, on a project yet, because of course I'm still very green. <laughs> I've only started um, not even a month ago, but I'm working, for example, with pre-sales to really go into those very big um, bids and see what we can do there. Or I'm going to consult with some people who are on projects and see what they're doing there. But a bigger part that I hadn't done before is really getting the room to actually grow initiatives within the company, which I think, as I mentioned, is really, really important for the sustainability and the relationship that you have internally with your people. And that is also a very important part that was now added, the room that I get to actually do that, which I love. I just love interacting. I think it's impossible for anyone, the journey to CTA, to not become kind of enamored with the sense of community and seeing how much value it brings to you as a professional, but therefore also a company when you have people that are motivated to grow to the next stage. So you have to be able to really stimulate them and motivate them and support them in doing that. So those are very much the things that I value immensely and that I want to contribute to. And talking on motivation, um, you, you've obviously just achieved a huge goal. And I, I guess... Um, like you, you can kind of fuel the motivation again by moving jobs because then that, that you know, you're a new person in an organization, you have to be motivated. Yes. But it must be a difficult thing um, going through, like your preparation for the review board was, was you know, a lengthy period um, and then you achieve it. And, and how do you then set goals and how do you motivate yourself? Like even to do another, I think you did another certification recently, right? Yeah, I did three. <laughs> like how do you motivate yourself to do those when, you know, you've just ticked off the, the biggest one yet? Well, I think there's there's two parts. So first of all, the with regard to staying active and motivated. So I took a bit of time not doing certifications because actually I kind of got uh, stage fright. I was afraid that, okay, if I now go in and I don't do well, then this will be the first fail. And I just didn't have one yet. So that's that's scary. And also I wasn't really used anymore, to be honest, to study for the multiple choice format. I was so used to being able to talk through it, which is a very different approach than having to identify and understand the questions in a multiple choice. So it, it took me a moment, but then when I joined uh, Capgemini, there was actually an internal challenge going on with the Belgian team where people were, you know, kind of working towards the target. And if we got to that target, everyone got, you know, Salesforce swag. So you want that. And then I got into a kind of mini competition between uh, one of the other very, very smart people at Capgemini, Sander, who has so many certs already. So we kind of like started challenging each other. So I got one and then he got one and then I had to get another one because of course I can't let him win. So that's, I think, really gave me the boost to just jump back in and get over that initial hurdle and just 
go back to the the certification train. It goes back to your point about, about around uh, gamification as well. Any of that involved, you're you're definitely in. Exactly, but I think one of the things that I really try to do first before jumping back into something that was quite personal or an individual, let's say, with regard to the certifications. What I first wanted to do is really like look at what got me there and see how I can bring that back. And I was so inspired when I was going through the journey, not only from the podcast that you did with CTA that showed me like, okay, these are human people too. They, they really, you know, if they can do it, then there's a chance for me to do it as well. Reading blogs, such as Jitendra, seeing how Doina got there, um, you know, talking to Seb, Johan, Lawrence, so many other awesome people, Andrew with the CTA 202, for example, there's just so, so many there giving back that you feel like, okay, maybe I can do something too. Maybe again, it might not be of value to the bigger audience, but if I can just help one person, then that's fine. So when you get to CTA, you get a lot of spotlight, let's say on you, and people want to have you for all kinds of very, very awesome opportunities and places where you can talk about how you became a CTA. And I really wanted to grab them because that was what inspired me hearing other people's stories and making, seeing how they got there and the fact that they made it, that was what inspired me. So that's why I wanted to do the same. Yeah, awesome. And I've, I've seen the content and I'm sure you are inspiring a lot of people. And if anyone you know has read anything or, or, is, is, or maybe hasn't read anything and is listening to this for the first time, um, where is the best place to contact you for any advice or guidance? Well, yeah, I usually am most active on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter, but to be honest, I always forget that you have to click this this message requests thing so it might be dying there for quite a while before i see that actually uh, there's something there so linkedin is a safer bet awesome well thank you so much it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, yeah really really great to hear more about your story and and keep inspiring thank you so much thanks so much for having me my pleasure thank you for listening to another episode of talent hub talk if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that. 